0: If you're still taking communion, that's fine. You just continue on, and that'll be perfectly fine with us. Um, just want to say, I am so glad that you are here today to celebrate Easter at Parkway Fellowship. Uh, could not be a better place for you to celebrate uh, Christ today. And uh, listen, mom, dad, parents, grandparents. I hope that you have had a really good time with you know the kids and grandkids this week or weekend, Easter egg hunts, and especially explaining to little kids. How in the world a giant bunny can lay colored eggs filled with candy? Um, Yeah, and by the way, that is not the miracle of Easter, okay? Just make sure you got that down, all right? Uh, But today, we're kicking off a brand new series, I'm really glad that you're here for it because uh, you definitely want to be in on this particular message series today. Um, Because, you know, there are are certain events in life that I'd want to see in person, like I would want to see, I would say, I want to be there for that. And some are future events, some are past events. You know, but bottom line, there are events in life that are just better if you could be there in person. Like, I would love to see a Super Bowl in person, right? Like, I would have loved this last year to have seen Game 7 of the World Series when the Cubs won for like the first time in over 100 years. I mean, that would have been amazing. Like, I wanted to, I wish I could see like an opening ceremony of the Olympics, or New Year's Eve in Times Square, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, um, the explosion of the Death Star. Like, I'd like to see that stuff in person. Like, that would be amazing, right? That would be so incredibly cool. Um, so, for the next four weeks of this series, we're going to look at literally some of the most amazing and incredible events of the entire Bible And we're going to see what it would be like if we were actually there. Because, look, it's one thing, you know, to just kind of imagine it, kind of picture in our head as best we can. But if we were there, what would be different? Now, look, I I know, we can't actually go there. But we're going to do the very best we can during this series to try to visualize and understand what it would be like if we had put ourselves in that scene, if we were there at that event, because it's through that that God is going to show us some things about ourselves, some things about himself, and those are going to be the kinds of things that, are going to, that have the potential to change our lives. <clears throat> now, when we talk about the biggest events of the Bible, there is one event that is bigger than all the others. Of all the, thi- all the things in the Bible that I wish I could have been there to see in person, Like, this is the one event that I would pick. Because it was after this one event, which was the resurrection of Christ at the tomb on that very first Easter. It was after this one event that literally world history changed. And think about it. Up until this event, before this event, most people just thought that Jesus was just a prophet. In fact, his own disciples thought that for at least the first couple of years that he was with them. In fact, most everybody thought that he was anything other than the actual son of God. But not after this event. After this event, that is when everything changed. After this event, that is when our world changed how we figure dates on the calendar. After this event, that is when faith in one man literally exploded exponentially through the known world. It was after this event that now we have a worldwide holiday called Easter. It is because of this event that on this weekend in churches, all over the world just like this one that we will people will gather together three billion strong to celebrate this one event and it all happened at an empty tomb now the danger for us is that if we don't ever put ourselves in these events if we don't ever immerse ourselves in these sorts of events then we run the risk of viewing this story and other stories in the Bible as legends or fables or, you know, tales of valor of days gone by. You know, that we would reduce them to just, you know, how those are good stories for kids with a good moral lesson. And we miss out on the fact that the reason why God even gives us these stories and and allows these events to happen is so that He wants to use them to change the course of our lives and draw us closer to Himself. But if we never immerse ourselves in these sorts of events, then we run the risk of thinking that, I mean, these things never even happen. Because, I mean, after all, I mean, they're fairy tales, right? Or if we you know, just half-heartedly believe that they're true, then we end up making a half-hearted commitment to following God. Or maybe if we doubt that these things ever happened, then we doubt what God will do in the future because we doubt what He's done in the past. So we need to immerse ourselves in these events. Um, Because God wants to do something great. Because sometimes we forget that these events actually occurred. I mean, they, they occurred in a real place, on a real piece of real estate, to real people, at a real time in history. These events actually occurred. Sometimes, like, we forget that. And because I'm a pastor, I've had the opportunity to actually go to the land of Israel where I have seen some of the places where some of these biblical events actually occurred. And I have been to the place where jesus rose from the dead like you can still go there today because it occurred at an actual place so here's what we're going to do to help us immerse ourselves in the story i have brought with me some pictures of some uh, uh that i took last time i was in israel of this place and so that will help us kind of imagine and help us understand and put ourselves in the place where we wish we were there now Before we go any farther, we need to get a little context of what has been going on the last three days before we put ourselves into the story. Three days earlier from this event, Jesus was crucified on a hill called Golgotha. Now, um, Golgotha is simply a Hebrew word that means place of the skull. It means place of the skull. Sometimes it's called Calvary, okay? Not not cavalry, like with horses, okay, but Calvary. Calvary is simply the Latin word for skull. So Jesus was crucified on a hill called Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull. So, is there a place? that looks like that? Because remember, it was called the place of the skull because not only did it look like a skull, but people were taken there to die. People were taken on top of this hill to be killed. So is there such a place? Well, from, this, from, a, from a, a place nearby called the Garden Tomb, which you can still go to, there is a hill that looks a lot like a skull. In fact, I brought a picture. Let's go ahead and put this picture up here. Um, And if you look kind of on the right, you will see that you can probably make out the image of a skull. Now, again, in Jesus' day, this is after 2,000 years of erosion, okay? In Jesus' day, this would have been much more pronounced. And if you were there, then on top of that hill, you would have seen Jesus and two thieves crucified on a cross. That's what you would have seen. Now, why? Why were they crucified on a cross? Because you and I need a Savior. We need a Savior. Because look, sin has to be paid for. And either you can pay for your own sin by being eternally separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell. Or you can get Jesus to pay for your sin for you. Look, that's why he had to die. He died on a cross so that his death could pay the price for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of everybody in the world. Because look, you can't forgive your own sin. Only God can. And God says the way he forgives your sin is you have to accept Jesus into your life and accept his forgiveness. So you need a savior. Now, after Jesus died, his friends would have taken his body off of the cross, and they would have needed to take it to a tomb. Now listen, there are two proposed sites uh, where Jesus could be buried. One of them has been turned into a church centuries and centuries ago, and you can still go there. The other site is called the Garden Tomb, and it has been preserved, and it looks almost exactly as it did 2,000 years ago, since the first century. Um, And I'm telling you, when you're there, it feels like this is the place. And it's, it's incredible. And get this, the garden tomb is only about a 100 yards away from this hill of the skull. Because remember, when Jesus died, it was about an hour before sunset. So they had an hour to get him from the, from the hill into a tomb. And so we know it had to be close by. So let's do this. This morning, let's put ourselves in the garden. We're in the. Let's say in this morning, you're in the garden about 20 yards from the entrance to this tomb. And if you were there that first Easter morning, what would you have seen? So go ahead and pull out your message notes and begin to write these things down. Here is what you would have seen. If I was there on that very first Easter morning, here's what I would have seen. The first thing was I would have seen an angel, a stone, and frozen guards. I would see an angel, a stone, and frozen guards. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men, okay? So here's the deal. The first thing that you would have experienced was you would have experienced an earthquake. So all of a sudden, the earth begins to shake beneath your feet. And the reason it shakes is because, dro- because an angel literally dropped out of heaven you know, and landed on the ground right there. And these angels are, angels are huge. They're between like seven and nine feet tall. So this enormous angel drops out of heaven, like bam, I mean, you know, kind of like, out of the Avengers, just your drops down right. It's in the Bible, y'all. Like, I'm not making this up. Like, it's, you can read it, it's right there, okay? So he drops down and causes the earth to quake. He causes a tremor right there. And then as he stands up, these two Roman guards that are guarding the entrance of the tomb so that nobody steals the body, these battle hardened soldiers go white. I mean, they are so terrified, they are so scared that literally they are paralyzed and cannot move. Okay, this might be the first recorded episode in world history of PTSD. I mean, really. I mean, it's there. It really might be. And so these guards are frozen. And then the angel would have gone over to the entrance of the tomb and rolled the stone away. In fact, I brought a picture of the entrance to the tomb. Let's go ahead and put the picture up there, if we could, please. Here's the entrance to the tomb and so there would have been a huge stone in front of it, not like a boulder okay but more like a disc or a wheel and the reason we know that is because see in front of the tomb, see there's this uh, channel in front of the tomb, in fact I brought a close-up picture of the channel so let's put that in, so you see I'm looking down into the channel that channel runs the length of of the front of the tomb and so it would have made it easier to roll this enormous stone away to, to get in, and then roll it back to seal it again. And so this angel would have rolled the stone away, and then he would have sat on top. And about this time, if you're there, I mean, this whole thing would have just been so surreal, so unbelievable, but at about this time, you might start to collect your wits about you, and you're like, Holy cow, I'm looking at an angel, like a real angel right there. And the Bible says that the angel was like lightning, okay? Not fast like lightning, but white like lightning. Like it was the angel was so bright that it was white like lightning. And it would have been an incredible feat to see. And then after you kind of gained your composure, you realize that, here's what would have happened next. Two ladies would come around from the corner to the entrance to the tomb. It would be Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus. They would have walked around the corner, going to the tomb, and then here is what happens. Look what the Bible says. Verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Okay, So the women run to tell the disciples as fast as they can. And the disciples are in a place called the upper room. And they're huddled there in fear. Now, the upper room is only about 200 yards away from the garden tomb. So these women, when they run as fast as they can, they're running in in panic mode. So it maybe takes them two minutes to get there. And after they get there, they tell the disciples. Then two of the disciples race back to the tomb as fast as they can. By now, maybe a total of five minutes has passed. So in the span of five minutes, here is what you see next. You see Peter, John, and inside the tomb. You see Peter, John, and inside the tomb. John chapter 20, verse 3 says this. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, and we know that this other disciple is John. We know that from the context. John outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb, okay? So you're there, and Peter and John, at a dead sprint, come racing around. John is a little bit ahead of Peter, and he arrives at the entrance of the tomb. So let's go and put the entrance of the tomb back up there. So John arrives and crouches at the entrance of the tomb to peer in. Peter just runs and just almost dives headfirst into the tomb because he's going so fast. And when Peter enters the tomb, here is what he sees. He sees two burial platforms. And by the way, you can still go into the tomb and see it for yourself today. Like, they allow people to go in. You'll see two burial platforms. And now, we know that this was a new tomb, so there would not be any bodies in there. We know there's a new tomb. It was purchased by a man named Joseph of Arimathea, and he purchased the tomb probably because he had a family member, you know, maybe a mom or a dad who was very sick and close to death, and so he would have purchased this tomb. Now, as you can see, this tomb is made out of solid rock, and they try not to carve any more than they have to because I mean it's a lot of work. It's solid rock. So on these burial platforms, let's just go ahead and put the first burial platform up there. The one of the platforms looks like this. See it's got a um it, it it's got a slanted place on the right side. That would have served as a pillow for the head. And normally there will be another slant on the other side and they would not carve that away until they knew how tall the person was that was going to be buried there. Because again They don't carve any more than they absolutely have to. But they would have known who was going to be buried there because they already knew how tall the member of Joseph's family was that was sick. So this platform was ready to go. But inside the tomb, there's a second platform. Let's put that one up there. Here's the second platform. You can see, if you look closely at the bottom, you could see the incline for the head. And then you can also see at the other end there's still an incline for the feet because they didn't know who was going to be there. This is where they would have laid Jesus. They would have put Jesus here because remember, they had less than an hour to get him from the top of the hill into the tomb. There would have been no time for them to cut the foot part away. And so when Peter goes into the tomb, he expects to see a body there. But it's gone. All he sees are the burial clothes that the body was wrapped in. That's it. Because the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. That is what he sees. And so then, now look what happens. You're there. Here's what happens next. In John chapter 20, verse 8, it says... Finally, the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. He believed. So, look, John enters the tomb. He sees the platform is empty. Look, John knows too much. He's seen too much. He has seen Jesus walk on the water. He has seen Jesus heal a man born blind. He has seen Jesus make the lame walk. He has seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish. He has seen Jesus crucified, and he knows that Jesus had already predicted his resurrection, and now he's not there. John knows, and John believes. He believes that Jesus is who he says he is. He believes. Now, if you're there, you're going to see a third thing, a third big thing. And this is on the back of your message notes, and here's what you see. see, You're going to see Jesus. Like, you would see Jesus. Look at what the Bible says in John chapter 10, um, chapter 20, verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb, crying so apparently and this is mary magdalene so apparently mary magdalene has followed peter and john to the tomb and they leave but she stays as she wept she bent over to look at the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where jesus body had been one at the head the other at the foot they asked her woman why are you crying they have taken my lord away she said and i don't know where they put him At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Get this. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means Teacher, okay, so get this. So you're there, the disciples are there, and they've seen, they, they see the tomb is empty. So they leave to go back and tell the other disciples. But Mary, who had come along behind them, she stays. And so she stays there, and let's say that you stay there too. And so Mary is there at the tomb, and she's got her head in her hands, and she is bawling. I mean, she is sobbing, crying. And then all of a sudden, you see from inside the tomb, you see a glow of light coming from inside the tomb. Mary, through her tears and through her hands, apparently she can tell that there's a change in light as well. And so she looks up, and she sees two new angels have now appeared inside the tomb. One at the head, one at the foot of of the burial platform. And they say, Jesus is not here. He's risen from the dead. And apparently, Mary still has her head Low, because you see another person come up from behind her. Mary can hear him, or, or, or at least feel this presence behind her. And so, with her face so down, she turns, thinking that it's probably the gardener, because, you know, the whole thing is in adjacent to a garden. So thinking he's the gardener, she turns like this, and she says, Sir, if you know where they've taken him, please tell me, and I'll get him. And the person says to her, Mary. And as soon as he says her name, she jumps up and says, teacher. Because the person that she sees is Jesus. And he is alive. He's alive. And so get this. Because you're there, you see Jesus too. You see Jesus Christ. You see him. He's alive. He is there in person, and you get to see Jesus. Wow! That's incredible. I mean, I'm telling you, I wish I was there. That would have been unbelievable, okay? But now that you and I have been there, and, we've, and we literally, as best we can, we've seen it, if you and I were there, we would arrive at at least... Three conclusions, and here they are. This is what I want you to write down. We would arrive at least three conclusions. The first is this, is that God is real. Oh, man, God is real. I mean, after seeing an angel drop out of heaven, causing an earthquake, the guards frozen in, in, in fear, the stone rolled away, Two more angels showing up and appearing. Jesus himself walking back because he's resurrected from the dead. I mean, how in the world would you explain all that? How in the world would you account for all of that except other than God is real? That is the only conclusion that you could possibly draw. He's real. The second conclusion that you would come to is that God is way more powerful than I ever imagined. God is way more powerful than I ever imagined. I mean, for all of the same reasons of all that you've seen, you're like, wow, God is incredibly powerful because if these angels who are so terrifying that they paralyze even the most battle-hardened soldiers, that these angels bow low in the presence of the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, truly awesome God. I mean, God is way more powerful than I had ever imagined, which, by the way, is really good news. And it's really good news because when you and I have a desperate need, you know, when you and I, when our backs are against the wall, when we are at the end of our hope that we can pray to God. We can pray to a God who has the power to step in and change the course of our lives and change the course of the events in our lives. He is that powerful. Now, you can't manipulate him. You can't control him, okay, but you can pray. And God is that powerful that he can step in and he can change anything. He can change everything, Third conclusion that you come to is this, is I have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Because look, when John saw the empty tomb, he believed. We know just a few hours later that Peter, the other disciple, also believed. That Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, who were also there, that they believed. And now you have a choice about what you are going to believe. And you know what, maybe for you. Just like Mary thought that Jesus was someone else, you know, she thought he was the gardener. Maybe up until this time, maybe up until today, you thought Jesus was something else other than what he is. Maybe you've thought that you know, Jesus was just a good moral teacher. Or maybe you thought that you know, he was just some iconic figure of history. Or maybe you thought he was kind of a legend, you know, like, like King Arthur or Hercules or something like that. But that's not who he is. The Bible says that he is the son of God. And you have to choose whether or not you're going to believe him. Because remember, Jesus paid the price for your sin. That's why he died on the cross. And if you don't believe in Jesus, then you will end up paying the price for your sin yourself by being eternally separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell. But look, God doesn't want you to go there. God's never wanted you to go there. And that's why God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to die for you. So that he could pay the price for your sin. And that if you would accept his forgiveness by accepting Jesus into your life, that you would be forgiven and look and how do we know that jesus actually can provide forgiveness of sin the reason we know is because he rose from the dead because look if jesus didn't rise from the dead how would we know that he actually could pay for sin i mean how do we know that if he stayed dead just like every other person to stay dead how do we know that he wasn't just some raving lunatic with a messiah complex you wouldn't know but because he rose again you do You do know, you do know that he's the son of God and that he can provide forgiveness for your sins if you will ask him to come into your life to forgive you. You need a savior. So look, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now. There's a sample prayer, it's at the bottom of your message notes. If you have never prayed that prayer before, if you've never prayed a prayer like it before and meant it, you know, knew what you were doing, then I want you to take a minute, I want you to pray that prayer right now because now you have a choice to make. And if you've already prayed that prayer before at some point in your life, you're already a Christ follower, then the choice for you today is to live your life for Christ with your whole heart, not half-heartedly, not saying, okay, God, I'll recognize you and think about you, you know, kind of like an Easter or Christmas Eve or something like that, but God, I will follow you wholeheartedly now that I've seen it, now that I understand, now that I really get it, I will follow you with all my heart. Would you do that today? Because that's your choice to make. I want everybody right now, bow your head, close your eyes, let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the fact that these are not just fables, that they're not legends, they're not fairy tales, that these things really happen. And I thank you that you've preserved them so that we can go there today to verify it, see it for ourselves. And I thank you that literally today you have taken each one of us there so that we can see it too. And so Lord Jesus, I pray that for those people that have accepted you for the first time today, that they would follow you with their whole heart. And that those that today are making a a commitment to renew their desire to follow you, that they would help them follow you with their whole heart from this day forward. And so I want to say thank you that you have the ability to help us put ourselves in in these events. And show us how real they and you really are. And bring us back next week so that we can hear more. We ask you to do this in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen.